got your Bibles, open up to Psalm chapter 33. And as you turn there, and as we've been studying the attributes of God, and looking at the attributes of God, um, the attribute that I am bringing today is omnipotence. And so to give a definition from Google what omnipotence is, is the quality of having unlimited or very great power. You see, some characteristics about God um, we can reflect and we can exhibit, right? So God is loving. We can be loving. God is compassionate. We can be compassionate. But um, even though my last name is Powers, and I think I have the best last name, um, and even though I competed in powerlifting when I was in high school, um, and I was a football player, and I went and played college ball, even though all those things are true, and I believe I'm very powerful, there's not one ounce of any strength or power that I have that could scratch the surface of what God's characteristic is. And so I want to take that definition of omnipotence, um, and I want to take that, and I really want to kind of like scratch it out a little bit, okay? Um, but before I give you my definition, I want to talk about the World Strongman competition. I think they're going to play um, some clips of the World Strongman. Anyone in here like the World Strongman competition? Okay, if you've never watched the World Strongman competition, these guys are crazy. I thought it was strong, but they take like huge tree logs and throw it above their head. They grab airplanes for fun and start dragging them around. They take buses and like it's like they're taking a walk and they just walk with a bus. Um, so no matter even how strong some of these guys are, this guy is actually, his name is Eddie Hall. He was actually the 2017 world champion of the World Strongman Competition, um, but he never won it again. So he could get to the height, but he couldn't maintain it. So even in that strength, even the guy who won it the most, okay, his name is Marizi Podawaski, something like that, some, a last name like Avery. Um, and so as we look at this, um, he won it in 2002 and 2003, and then he didn't win or didn't compete. And then he won it again in 2005 and didn't win or didn't compete. And won it again in 2007, and then won it again in 2008. So no matter how strong we think we have of characteristics, no matter how powerful we have, the definition that comes off of Google about having unlimited or very great power um, doesn't even touch it. We can't display uh, this characteristic. So the definition I want you to have, if you're a note taker, the definition I want you to have is I want you to take two words and write them, all powerful, all powerful. And tonight, I want us to see the all powerful God that we serve in new light. And I pray that it would speak. So let's pray. God, as we come before you, Lord, we lay um, our own definitions down. Lord, our mind can't fully grasp everything you have done in this world, but Lord, I pray that as we dive into your scripture and we look at words um, of, of your word, Lord, that you would just speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would allow our hearts to stand still before you and to be impacted by who you are. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So in Psalms chapter 33, starting in verse 6, it says this, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathered the waters of the sea as a heap. He put the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. You see, God spoke everything out of nothing. The power that God has is that he speaks and it is so. Let there be light 
and there was light. Let there be water, let there be birds, let there be fish, let there be mankind made in our image, and it was so. See, God doesn't need tools. God doesn't need materials. There was nothing, and he made it. See, when I like to build stuff, I have to go to Home Depot, buy the supplies, get it in my shop, take them, cut it down, mess it up three times, go back to Home Depot, and redo it again. You see, God just does it. That's the kind of power we're talking about. And in this verse, it points to Genesis chapter 1. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens and earth were made. By the breath of his mouth, all of the host, everything that God created. And see, like, when I get busy and I get working and I start doing projects and I'm trying to show the cool things I can build or work on, or I'm trying to, like, show off how powerful I am and arm wrestle a seventh grader and beat him every time, yes. See, I start sweating. I get tired. My body gets fatigued. See, God, he speaks, and it's not even anything for him. His power is unmatched. You see, God's power should make us stand in awe of him. God's power should make us stand in awe of him. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment when you just saw creation and you just stood in awe of God. Maybe you've been at the Grand Canyons, or maybe you've been to the mountains, or maybe you've even just sat at a lightning storm and you just saw the awe of God. See, my, I've been married to my wife for 11 years this month. Her name is Jessica. But when we first got married, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, we were sophomores, about to be juniors in college, in between our sophomore and junior year. Um, and we spent every dime we had for a honeymoon. So we decided to go on a honeymoon, that we were going to go to Florida, and we are going to take a boat, a cruise ship, to the Bahamas, and it was going to be the best honeymoon ever. And so we got on a boat. And I don't know if you know anything about being in the ocean or if you've ever been on a boat in the middle of the ocean. But if you want something to make you seem how small you are, you look out at the waters and you go, hmm, there's this movie called Titanic I watched as a kid. I wonder if there's any icebergs out here. You know what I mean? And you start thinking, like, if something happened, and if you look over the edge, I guarantee, I had this thought, I guarantee I'm not the only one who had this thought. I looked over the edge of the boat and I thought, if I jumped off this boat, man, they ain't stopping this thing. They just keep going. Like, I would be lost at sea. But there was one moment on that cruise ship that, that God just spoke to me immensely. We had a balcony, so I was sitting out on the balcony, and it was really late at night. Um, and we're, I'm just looking at the ocean, and it's completely dark. But there's a storm off in the distance. And our boat is traveling um, one direction, and the storm is at the other side of us. And so as we're traveling, I can see the storm out, the, out our side of the boat. But we're moving slightly closer, or the storm's moving closer to us. I don't know which. But as I sat there... I could see a lightning strike, and as far as I could see, I could see the ocean. And I just thought, like, how small am I? Like, how big is our God? And lightning would strike, and it would light everything up, and I'm like, I don't know if boats can be struck by lightning, but if it does, like, we're stuck out here, we're going to sink, and we're going to be on the bottom of the ocean, and they're going to make a movie about us. Um, and that's what I thought. But it was a moment where I just considered to be in awe of God. And so for, light, for me, lightning is how God speaks to me, and I can see his power of him. Uh, if any of you in here like rap, any of you in here like rap? Okay, I like rap. Uh, there's an old band, okay? It's the name R. Swift, and they have a song where they take um, awesome God and they turn it into rap, and these are some of the lyrics from it. It says, to check for a pulse if you ain't rocked by him. 
I am prone to be biased when I peep the timeline behind him and to see no highest as high as him. He reigns Lord. Firearms are too short to aim for him. Call him extremist. He leaks Katrina when he's brainstormed. As mighty as a storm as Katrina was, like compared to like what God can do, is just like a brainstorm, a thought, a draft on a pen, a draft on a paper. Um, so as we look at what God there is, I'm gonna I'm gonna use four illustrations to help us look at the the vast power of God. That God is all powerful. So the first illustration I want to use um, is a light year. Does anyone in here know how fast um, the speed of light travels? Good. Oh wait. I have no idea. Do you think I could do math in my head that fast? What is three times ten to the eighth power? If it is a hundred and eighty-six. Uh, 186,000 miles per second, then yes, you are correct, okay? I'm not going to judge you. Um, But speed of light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Um, To put that in perspective um, is they take... They take the seconds, right, and they say, okay, how many seconds are in a year? Like, how far would light travel in one year? And they do it. And so you got to ask how many seconds are a year. Well, that is 31,536,000 seconds in a year. So if you take that, two numbers, and you multiply it, like, you will see how far, how many miles in one year light can travel. And it's such a big number that we just call it a light year. And that is how they measure our universe and our galaxies and, and just the expanse is that it's so many light years away, okay? That means nothing to me because it's just a bunch of zeros, right? So let's put in perspective. If we take a traveler and they're going to travel around the world at the speed of light, in one second, they would lap the world 7.5 times, Okay? Put that in a little bit more perspective, that if you got on one of the fastest jet planes that we have and you were just to cross the United States, not make a lap around the world, right, it would take you four hours to make it across the United States in one of the fastest jets that we have. So, like, God, like, when he created the universe and he created everything we have, out of his power, he created a vastness that we can't even measure, um, I've got a quick video of some planets and just the size of planets I want y'all to watch real fast. Um, and, and so, like, there's our, there's our moon and just kind of the size. You can imagine, like, a moon, how small we would be on that in just comparison. And there's our beautiful home right there. This is where we are. If you took the moon and you put moons inside of the earth, I believe, actually, I don't remember that stat. There are, I almost confused it, there are 30, you can put 30 moons in between Earth and, um, there's the sun, look how big that is, um, and that's like one of the smallest stars in the entire universe. You could put 30 moons in between Earth and the moon, that's how far the moon is from there. Um, Jupiter, fun fact, the largest planet in our solar system, is actually called the cosmic vacuum cleaner. Um, it's so large and it's gravitational so forward, for so strong that when asteroids are coming that could take out Earth or take out other planets, Jupiter actually sucks them in because of their gravitational force um, and just eats them up. So the cosmic vacuum cleaner is Jupiter. And so you can stop that video. You get a size that, like, the universe is big and we are really, really small, right? And what should that do when you see something like that? It should draw you in awe of the power of God. Like, he spoke and this was created. The second thing I want to talk about is galaxies. So using space again. Does anybody know how many galaxies there are? Anybody want to guess at how many galaxies there are? 
85? Is it 85? There are 2 trillion known galaxies that we know. Um, and in 2006, it was a hundred, um, it was like a hundred, whatever below trillion is, a hundred billion. There was a hundred billion. Now we know 2 trillion of them, okay? Uh, the cool thing about 2 trillion galaxies is that because there's 2 trillion galaxies, that means everybody on planet Earth can own 285 galaxies. So congrats. I'm going to give you today 285 galaxies per person in this room. Um, that's how big God created this universe. Um, another one is lightning. I told you lightning is dear to me. Okay. How many times does lightning strike the Earth per day? I don't want to take a guess. It's more than 86. And don't give me a multiplication problem. Okay, I'm going to give it to you. 8.6 million times per day or 100 times per second. So there's 100, another 100, 300, 400. It's hitting the earth constantly. Um, and so if you multiply that out, that's 3.1 billion times a year that it hits. And in my personal, um, this is one that's just close to me. Job chapter 33 says this. It says, hear this, O Job. Stop. And so Job has been fighting with his friends and just like um, he argues with God. And then there's other character comes in and he starts speaking to Job. And this is what he says. Hear this, O Job. Stop and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know how God laid, uh, lays his command upon them and causes the lightning to strike his clouds to shine? Do you know the balancing of the clouds or the wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge and whose garments are hot. When the earth is still, it's because of the soft winds. Um, can, you, can you, like him, spread out the skies hard as cast metal iron? You see, God says in there, like, we should consider the wondrous works. And one of the things he says is he talks about the lightning striking. But then he says this, do you know the balancing of the clouds? And I, I saw this verse, and I was so confused by this verse. I'm like, clouds, they're in the air. They're, like, floating. Like, they don't need to be balanced. They don't need to be held up in the sky. See, God with his power at all times are holding everything in the universe together. And so as he's holding everything in the universe together, one of the things he's doing is he's balancing a cloud. And so you know this. I'm going to ask you how much a cloud weighs. Anybody want to take a guess? At least five pounds. Yes, water is super heavy. It's at least five pounds. What were you going to say? One million pounds. One million pounds. Let's try 1.1 billion pounds is the average cloud's weight. Um, okay? So the average cloud's weight is 1.1 billion pounds. That's how much water is in the sky. Um, and if you take that into the heaviest uh, elephant, which is the African bush elephant, which weighs 13,000 pounds, it is like God is balancing with the clouds and balancing up there 84,000 elephants in the sky. Man, you see, that's with each cloud. And so God is amazing. He's created all of this to show the wonders of his work. But do we ever stop and consider and look at the goodness of God and how powerful he is? And does that powerful and does that all draw us into humility to know that God is all-powerful and that he is worthy of being followed, that he is worthy of all glory, worthy of all honor, and worthy of all of that? In Jeremiah chapter 32, it says this, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And when you think of everything God has created, when you think of all the good things God has created, man, doesn't our struggles and doesn't our like complaining about 
man, it's a little hot in this building, or God, like my car is, isn't running as right as I want it to be, or God, I, I can't go out to eat because I went out to eat too much last week. Um, doesn't our troubles seem small to some of those? But even with God being all-powerful, even in our troubles, even in our trials, he still cares about us. Isn't it amazing that God, being all-powerful, cares about you, loves you, desires to be with you? There is a paradox with this that I want to I talk about, okay? So um, let's start at this little slide right here, okay? So we've got to ask ourselves, can God create a stone that he cannot lift? What do you think? Yes or no? Yes, no? No? Yes? Okay. We're going to start with yes, okay? Let's say God can create a stone he cannot lift, okay? So that means we've got to ask this question. Can God lift that stone? Yes, no? If he can create a stone that he can't lift, but he's all-powerful. Let's just go ahead and say yes. Yes, if God can, that means God did not create a stone that he cannot lift. And if that is true, that means God is not all-powerful. So let's back it up. Let's see if we can fix this. Um, So God can lift it. If the answer is no to that, that means God is not powerful. And if God cannot create a stone he cannot lift, that means God is not all-powerful. Do you see the paradox here? And, like, this is really confusing. Like, how does this all fit? Well, let me tell you something else about God. See, being all-powerful doesn't mean you have the ability to do everything, right? Do anything. God in his nature, right, doesn't need to create a stone that he cannot lift. That doesn't mean he's not all-powerful. Just just because he doesn't do anything or can't do anything doesn't mean that he's not all-powerful. God has characteristics, right, that he is going to follow. So for God to be just, right, That means though he can do anything and though he's all-powerful, if he wanted to destroy someone without just cause or if he wanted to let someone go, this is the best example, if he wanted to let someone go of sin um, without a punishment of death, right, he could do it, right? But the thing is, is that God keeps his characteristics. Um, I love this definition. It says, God's power to do everything that is in his rational and moral perfection God wills to do it. So like, can God commit evil? Can God commit sin? These are the same exact questions. And and the truth is, is that God is perfect in his nature. He doesn't have to create a stone that he cannot lift. Like that, that's something he doesn't have to do to show off his power. He doesn't have to flaunt. In Hebrews 18, 18, it says this, so that the two unchangeable thing in which it is impossible for God to lie. You see, it's saying in the Bible that it's impossible for God to lie. Why? Because his characteristic, his nature, is that everything that flows out of God is truth. And so it is impossible for God to lie. And so just having the ability to not do anything or even withholding the ability to do something because it's against his character doesn't change God's character. It actually, in fact, enforces how good his character is. 2 Timothy 2.12 says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. See, even in our faithfulness, when we make a commitment or a covenant to God, God is still faithful. Why? For he cannot deny himself. See, God upholds his character even when our character fails. God upholds his love even when our love fails. He is good. He is worthy of following. See, God's character cannot, God cannot breach his character. There's certain things God cannot do. I had a buddy, and we were praying, and I was mentoring, and I was discipling him, and he came to me, and he was broken. He was crying. 
like, dude, what's going on? And I could tell he didn't want to open up. And I was like, you don't have to open up, but I'm here for you no matter what. And he told me that him and his girlfriend had been having sex and that her period had come and she hadn't had her period. And he starts pouring his heart out. And he's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm not ready to be a dad. I'm not ready for any of this. And he tells me about his prayer that he's been praying. He said, I've been praying that God would just like let her not be pregnant, that if she was pregnant, that it would just like go away. And I had to pause him, and I'm like, dude, I'm all, I'm all here for you. I said, but you can't pray like that. Let me tell you why. Because you're asking God for something he is unable to do. God is unable to cover up sin or reverse sin because that's not his characteristic. We sin, we mess up, right? But God doesn't just reverse it. Actually, God says there's got to be a payment for sin, which has to be death. And Jesus even said, if there's any other way for this to be done in the Garden of Gethsemane, there's any other way for this to be done, let it be God. And there was no other way because God is just and can't break his character. Um, Proverbs 28, 13, 14 says this, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but if he confesses and forsakes them, he will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, and whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity or destruction. Hey, so my buddy, man, we're still great friends. I still mentor him, and I still love him through every situation, right? I didn't reject him, but like I had to speak truth into his life in that situation. I didn't bash him, and I'm thankful he continues to come to me, and we continue to walk through how life is, even in relationships. And it's, it's awesome, he, he, just to let you know the rest of the story, he didn't have a baby, um, she wasn't pregnant, um, and he actually, he was like, I, he's like, if there's ever a wake-up call to where I want to save myself for marriage, this is it. Um, and he's remained abstinent ever since. Um, he gave that over to God. He, he repented and turned that over to God. Um, and even in the midst of it, God is faithful and just to give him a fresh start. And he is praying and hoping for the day um, of marriage that he can have uh, sex with his future wife and that be something that God makes new in there. And so, so when we have those, those questions about God breaking his character and God being true to his character, isn't it refreshing that God's character cannot change? And that means God's character is always going to be the same. God will forever be faithful. God will forever be powerful. God forever will be good. God forever will be loving. And God will forever be just. And one question that comes up time and time again is if God is all-powerful, why doesn't he stop sin? You see, in the image of most people's mind, when they think about God and they think about good and evil, they think about this. They think about a tug of war. And on one side, there's God and all the angels, and they've got the rope, and they're pulling hard. And on the other side of the rope is Satan and all the demons, and they're pulling hard. And they're wrestling back and forth, trying to figure out um, who's going to win. And you get to pick which side you want to serve and you want to pull. So you come and be on God's side and, and pull harder, and maybe we can win. Or maybe just abandon God, and you pull on this side, and it doesn't matter. Life's going to go on. See, that is a horrible way to view the gospel as a tug-of-war match because God's all-powerful. If God's on this side and all creation is on the other side, God still just speaks and he wins. His power is unmatched. It's not this balance of wrestling back and forth about it because for God, see, he desires that no one would perish. He desires that no one will perish. So why doesn't he defeat sin? Why doesn't he repay evil? Um, because if he was to repay evil and he was to punish evil, he would have to start with my sin. 
he'd have to start with yours. In our minds, we think God, when he repays evil, he should start with like the rapists and the pedophiles, and he should start with the murderers and the bank robbers and all those really evil people, the terrorists. But you see, God just sees all sin the same. So my sin, my disobedience, my failure to follow God with everything I have, he has got to start here. He's got to start with you. You see, God wants no one to perish. 2 Peter 3, 4 through 10 says this. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things were continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact. The heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. Constantly, all throughout the Bible, it talks about the word of God speaking heavens and earth and creation. And that by means of these, they would have existence was um, deluge and with water be perished. But by the same word of the heaven and the earth that now exists and are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction for the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. The, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with the roar, and the heaven bodies will be uh, burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works and all that is in it will be exposed. You see, the reason why God doesn't act, act on his powerfulness and he doesn't just judge uh, sin of the evil is because he wants people to come repentance. And that's, every, that's you in this room. It's me. He wants all of us to come to repentance so that we may know him and have eternity. I just spoke at a camp last week, and as I was speaking at the camp, I was, I was trying to explain um, that Jesus is the only king, that there's only one way. Um, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I told him, like, there's a real place called heaven, and there's a real place called hell. And, like, we are going to spend eternity there. And those who have accepted Jesus, the only way to heaven will spend it in heaven. And those, just because you didn't say no to Jesus and just because you didn't curse Jesus and you thought you lived a good life, you can't earn it, you can't work for it. But if you do not accept Jesus, there's one way to heaven. You're going to spend eternity apart from him. And this desire, this, uh, this, this uh, reality of life draws Jesus to have compassion on you and me and compassion on the terrorists and the murders, and the rapists, and all of the others. And he's slow to anger. He's slow to let his, uh, let his power out. Why? Because he wishes no one would perish. See, God didn't design a broken world. God didn't design a world with sin, with all the hurt and the pain that we have. God didn't design that, and that's not his desire. But he's holding back so that we may repent, so that more may come to know the goodness of of God and that they would have it. See, God wants no one to perish, but that doesn't mean we're not going to get away from sin. See, when I was, um, before I came to know Christ, I grew up in a family with drugs and alcohol in the home. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, my mom didn't stop doing drugs and alcohol when I was a baby. Um, I have probably blackest lungs in this because, like, I grew up in a home with secondhand smoke. My mom smoked inside the house. Like, I constantly smelled like smoke. Um, but then I started making choices of my own. And though I swore I wouldn't find myself entrapped in the things that my family did, and I saw the destruction that was there, I found myself in the middle of middle school, I found myself drinking, smoking, and doing drugs. 
Um, and I found myself doing that. And there are physical limitations to my brain because I did drugs, because I popped pills, because I smoked weed, because I drank alcohol. There are physical limitations that my brain didn't develop as much as it should have, right? Like my lungs, I will probably end up with lung cancer because of the environment I lived in. You see, God doesn't let us just be rescued from the consequences of sin. My buddy who almost got his girlfriend pregnant, like that's a reality. Like if you sin, like there are things that come along with that, right? And like we have reality. So some of you have deep scars because of the sin that you've committed or the life that you've lived, right? But God's desire is that we wouldn't perish, but there's still consequences for sin. And in Revelation 19, it gives an example of when Jesus comes back. It gives us a foreshadow of what it will be like on a judgment day. And it says this, Then I saw the heavens open up, and behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. By the name which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, array in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on the white horse. From his mouth came a sharp sword, in which he will strike down all nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will thread the winepress of fury and the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see, we like to preach that Jesus is like just this loving and caring person. See, but Jesus is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. Our sin deserves death. Our sin deserves punishment, and he will punish it. We don't get away with sin. None of us do. No matter how secret we think our sin is, no, no matter how good we are at hiding it, no matter how much we think it doesn't affect anybody else in the world, the sin we do affects us and everyone around us. And it's the reason why we live in a broken world where there's death, pain, and hurt. You see, God's all-powerful design was to create out of his all-powerful. It wasn't for the judgment. The judgment's coming, but his desire was just to create. He spoke, and it was so. And he created majesty, and he created beautiful mountains, and he created amazing seas. Like, we can't even explore the depths of the seas, and none of us will ever will because of the incident that happened, right? Because no one's ever going to go down to the bottom of the sea anymore. Um, we're not going to be able to see all the glory of it. We're never going to explore all of the universe and see the beauty of the stars and all the planets are out there. I think it was Ashton was talking, and when he was talking about holiness on like creating like Minecraft worlds, right? Like some, some of y'all have amazing creation. You could create amazing things. Some of you here, you draw and you create beautiful drawings. But I'm going to tell you, often a far, far galaxy, far away, that none of us will ever see is a planet. And on that planet, there's the most beautiful sunset in all of creation that we never get to experience or ever see. Why? Because God just flaunts his power when he creates. God just flaunts his glory. God just flaunts his creativity all over. And you think it's an amazing scene to go to one of those Instagram places and take the Instagram picture of the beach with the sun setting behind it, but if you look behind you, there's a thousand other people trying to do the exact same thing. Or if you've ever been to Disney World and you try to get a picture of the main street with the castle in the background, like, 
that's not a real picture. There's so many people in between. Like, I thought I was going to create a time lapse, and I was like, oh, it's going to be awesome. I'll sit at the end. It'll be a time lapse of people walking by. And my time lapse is a video of this really large man who walks and stands on a stroller and sits there for about 20 minutes. And I'm like, you just ruined my beautiful moment I was trying to create. And you see, like, God just leaks that out of his power, out of his goodness, out of his love. But we also got to know is that though that's God's desire, God is just. And so God will use his judgment in the end to judge all of our sins. But the good news is if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when Jesus goes to judge you, he will see your sin, but he will also see the death and the payment of Jesus Christ on the cross, and it will say, paid in full. That's the good news of the gospel, is that though he, he has wrath, though God has that, the judgment day is coming, but God wants every single one of us to live a life where we give it over to Jesus and we live a life in awe of him. Let's pray.